1 John chapter 5. This is going to be a challenging subject to us, but you know, um, Brother Jim, Brother James, went and got his physical done and got his checkup, and I, I got to thinking about that, and as God's people, ever so often we need to do a checkup. And we need to open up the Word of God. And even if it's a challenge to our hearts, we need to examine what the Word of God says, examine our hearts, and ever so often just do a health checkup. The name of the message today is the five birthmarks of the believer. We're going to look at five birthmarks of a believer. Now, if you found your place in 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come again thanking you for this day. Lord, we pray for your mighty work to be done in hearts and minds. Father, that you guide us, you convict us of our heart, lead us, for these are the words of life. They're, they're words that change lives and that you change. Father, we pray, Lord, that just your grace be upon those who need your grace, and you know each one. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we read these words, I want us to study them and weigh them. In verse 10 of 1 John chapter 5, he says this. He says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. What kind of life? Eternal life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he goes on to say, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. Not hope, but know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a tragic thing it is to go through life uncertain of where your soul will spend eternity. What a tragic thing. You know, the Word of God tells us if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe according to the Scriptures, that without a doubt Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose again according to the scriptures for the forgiveness of sins. The word of God tells us that we will be saved. You will be saved. It's a personal belief. It's not a corporate belief. It's a personal belief. Jesus is a personal Savior. When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross for your sins as if it were only your sins and transgressions against God, he died for them. 
and that he was buried, that he rose again according to the scriptures. The scriptures that are 6,000 years old foretold of God's Messiah. God's Messiah is the Savior. That's who Jesus is. He's the Savior. He's your Savior. If you believe. And that is what you are actually, when you believe, you are believing the account that God has given. And that's what it says here. That, and when you believe the account that God has given in verse 11, you believe the record which God has made of his son and the salvation that's in his son. God gives us eternal life. So what this means is if you are saved today, Heaven is your possession today. No one can take heaven from you. You can know with certainty that you are going to heaven when you die. When you leave this place, you are going to heaven. Because that's what John says. I write these things that you may know. Know, and that's what he says in verse 13, that ye have eternal life. That you may know these things. Uh, John wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. And each one of the books that he wrote, and we believe that all of the scriptures inspired of God, it's God-breathed, it's without any mixture of error, it is plenary, that means that all parts of scripture are equally inspired, that there is not just some that are some by man's opinion versus this, that we believe this is the authoritative, God-given, God-breathed revelation of himself to man. We have a record of God from God. It's a letter to man from God. And so what this, what this says is that there was a purpose behind what John wrote. John was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He knew Jesus personally. Jesus had many disciples. And the thing that John said, the whole reason I'm writing these five books, you don't have to turn there, in John uh, 5, I'm sorry, John 20, verse 31, he says, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. What that means is the Savior sent from God. That Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, he's the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That is eternal life through his name. So in our text, John is saying we may know. Here's the purpose of the writing. Our text says that if you are saved today, you can be sure. If you're not saved today, you need to be saved, and he will save you today. And he will. And he instructs us how to do it. But if you are saved today, the word of God, he, and John gives us five birthmarks. There needs to be five kind of elements in the believer's life. Now, if you think about it, as a parent, you know, sometimes, or a grandparent, or an aunt, or an uncle, can't you sometimes see characteristics in children that exist in the parents? Like, oh, well, he, he got that from his dad, or, or he got that from his mother, you know, he... Look at that temper. <laughs> Look at that temper that he's got. He must have got that from uh, his mother. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that, honey. But uh, No, she's... she's 
I didn't know which way to go there, but you were smiling, so I figure I, I can slip that one in. So uh, I've met my quota for the day. No more, no more. I'm done, I promise. But, uh, you know, when Jason was little, and I'd, I'd be preaching, we used, to dress, we used to dress up Jason in a suit, a nice suit, a little pinstripe, vest, tie, and everything, and, and he was just something. But he screamed and he cried the entire time I preached. He wouldn't stop. And so everybody would be like, oh, look at his lungs. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And you know, the second that we took that suit off of him, he stopped crying. <laughs> and he has never put on a suit again. Um, so he's not like his dad that way. You know, I've got, I've got to get on a suit and everything. But if, um, I don't know, Marianna and Alex's wedding's coming up. We'll, hopefully we'll get him in a suit. If he cries, we'll just have to bring him out, I guess. But, but isn't it something? Children will bear the birthmarks of their parents. You know, you'll be able to see characteristics in them and, and attitudes. You'll be able to, uh, you know, the looks. Or there may be athleticism. There may be uh, mannerisms in them. But as children of God, we too should bear the birthmarks of our Father. We too, we are been born again. And our Father is our Heavenly Father. And being born again, we also should bear these birthmarks. So I want to give you these five birthmarks. First of all, we have the, and we will be flipping around through 1 John as he gives them, because he says these things. He didn't say this verse uh, in verse 13. He says these things. So what are the things which John is referring to in verse 13. Well, first of all, we have the birthmark of obedience. First John, look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Now, when it says that we keep his command, we went over this um, in Sunday school, that what is the command of Christ? What is the law of Christ? We know that Jesus fulfilled all the law. He has fulfilled all of it. So we are no, those who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under the condemnation of the law, but he has fulfilled all law. So what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is a love thy Lord with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might, and thy neighbor as thyself. And when we serve, our motive is out of love. The love that covereth a multitude of sins, love fulfills the law. The motive behind our obedience is, uh, the, yeah, is love. The motive behind our obedience to Christ is love, not fear. It's love. And so we need to understand when he's saying that for 
in our in our verses, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We're keeping the law of Christ. But here's the thing, and I want us to really focus on this word keep. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, that word keep is not just about doing the words of Jesus, but keeping them in your heart. Keeping them. They abide in you. They indwell you. They are in you. Um, when we go to the pet store, how many times have you heard the, the, the kids say, oh, Dad, can we keep him? Can we keep him? Can, can uh, you know, I'm like, okay, so we have th three cats, <laughs> a dog, and who knows, what, uh, there's something underneath the steps, I'm sure, that we're feeding. And when we went to the pet store, and I was like, yes, we can keep that. We can keep the cat. Did we leave the cat there? No, we took him home. We kept them. It's just like keeping you in prayers. It's not that I'm obeying outwardly, I'm keeping you in my heart. And with the animal, we're keeping them in the house. Now, how many times do people believe that they come to church to visit God? You don't come to church to visit God. God needs to be with you all the time, everywhere, in your day, we come to church to fellowship one with another, to love each other, to worship in unity and singleness of mind, our God, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. We lift Him up. We lift Christ up. And we exalt His will above our will. But we do not keep God here. We keep Him in our hearts. It's just like the pet. Yes, yes, we can own this pet. Yes, he will be ours. Yes, uh, w one of our pet's name is Yoshi, and I am wearing Yoshi socks, Brother Richard. <laughs> but uh, it's Yoshi, and I was like, okay, we, we own Yoshi. Now let's, uh, now let's go home, and then every Sunday we can visit him. Is that really keeping Yoshi? So what does the verse 3 tell us? What's the admonition? And hereby we do know that we know him. We know God if we keep his commandments. We keep him in our hearts. We keep him in our lives. We keep him on our tongue. We keep them always there in front of us, behind every decision uh, that we have. He's with us all the time. Now, that is not just obeying the law of Christ, but it's also keeping the law of Christ. In John 14, 21, he says, Jesus says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Have you ever stopped to think about people who are holding on to some kind of experience that happened to them to go to heaven? It was some kind of experience that happened at church or it happened at church camp or it happened at VBS, but they left God there. That's, that's where he is. The word of God says you don't know him because you've not kept him. 
You've not kept his commands. You've not kept them in your hearts. He's not on your tongue. He's not on your mind. You think he's at a place. And, and that, that's what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. The true worshipers will come. It's not about going to Jerusalem to be a true worshiper. The true worshipers will come, and it is the Father which seeketh these worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth is a 24-7 thing, and it's in your heart. And so, how many, you know, and I got to thinking about that, and I don't know if I'm going to get to all five of these points, but... Uh, I had a childhood friend whose name was Johnny, and he actually died of, of cancer uh, years ago, 20 years ago. But I had a childhood friend, and um, his mother would take Johnny and I on these amazing vacations. Just, you know, I grew up with 18 people in the house, and Dad was the only one working, so I didn't get a... You know, a vacation to us was the LBC Bible Conference, okay? We got out of school for a week. So she would take us to, we went to the Wisconsin Dells, the largest water park in America. We went to Cincinnati to, to games. It was just her and Johnny, and she just spread all of this money, and I got to experience so many things. But here was the thing. She was not my mother. I only experienced those things because I was with the child of the mother. She was pouring out those gifts upon her son. And I got to benefit being near her son, but I was not her son. How many times do people, they're sharing in the benefits and the blessings which God is pouring out upon his children and they're kind of sidestepping or, you know, getting into the, okay, yeah. And then they're deceiving themselves, thinking they're children of God, but they're not. How many times do we see Christian homes like that? Just, are you a child of God? Do you have a personal relationship? Is he in your heart? Is the word of God in your heart? Are the commands of God in your heart? Does it bother you? Do you want to obey? Do you love to obey? Is he in your life? He's not at a place. Now, God does walk in the midst of his churches and praise the Lord. But if you're saved, he's got to be indwelling in your heart. That's it. That's how you're saved. That's how you're saved. Because we have believed the record which God has given of his son and salvation uh, he has given the record that we are sinners. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And, you know, there is no degree of being a worse sinner than another. I have sinned. You need to see yourself as sinned. Stop comparing yourself to other people who are going around shooting up school malls and just the awfulness, the wickedness which we see in life, thinking, well, God will surely let me off the hook because I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as bad as... All have sinned. God has concluded all under sin. Because if anybody can earn their way to heaven, then why would God send his son to die upon a cross at all? If there was an alternate way, don't you think that they would have went with that way? Versus sending his son to die upon the cross. But 
Much more. That was the only way, and it is the only way which God will receive all glory for salvation. See, salvation is a gift of God to the glory of God to the thanks of God, to the praise of God. When we praise God, we praise Him for all the things that He is, and none of us. We don't say, thank you, God, for making me something. No, thank you, God, for taking me as nothing and saving me and bringing me to Yourself to be a joint heir with Christ and, and receive the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ. That, it magnifies Christ. But there's also the birthmark of obedience, the birthmark of love. Look at 1 John chapter 3. So we need to ask ourselves, is obedience in our heart? Is there obedience in our life? Do we keep the words of God in our heart? Do we keep obedience in our heart? Because Jesus says, if you don't, you don't love him. All right, birthmark of love. So what does love say? In 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And you know, really this, I think of this verse, verse 17, and this is my conviction. I'm not forcing my conviction upon you all. But if you see that your brother or your sister has need and you have more than enough, let's not sell it to them. Let's give it to them. I always could kind of tell of someone's maturity level in Christianity. Give it to them. The Lord will supply all your need. There's no reason to sell it. Now, if you're out here selling, you know, it's one thing to have an eBay store and you're flipping things that you, that's, you got to do what you got to do, you know, put bread on the table. But if you see that your brother or your sister in Christ has a need and you have the Lord has given you plenty, let's give it. That's why uh, as the church, we believe in giveaways, uh, community giveaways, neighborhood giveaways. Uh, we don't really have, our, our source of income is tithes and offering, and we allow the Lord to just bless us that way. That's the way that we're told to receive money into the church. And anything else, we give away. So if we're going to have a neighborhood giveaway, like the, during the yard sale thing we, that the neighborhood has, and we have had visitors come in on those yard sales and the, the, this fruit for our labor out there, 
those who had come out on that Saturday and just helped us out here, um, we did receive fruit from that. But maybe even next year we take a step further and just bring stuff and just give it away. Give away coats, give away mattresses, give whatever you have in, in your closet to give away. But we have confidence in God that he will provide all our need, but not just that. But it says, if you do not give, then how is it that you have the love of God in you? How is it, you do not, how is it that you have the compassion of God in you when he gives us so much? That's the, the birthmark of love. And it's not just giving away things, but it's also, there are some people who are more lovable than others, right? There are some people who are just hard to love. And, um, but God says to love others as Christ has loved you. Jesus loved us when we did not love him. That we were enemies. Um, but we know that that's tough sometimes. All right, love is not simply a word, it is a deed, it is a commitment, it is one of the birthmarks of a believer. In our Roman series this morning for Sunday School, we saw the very preeminence of love, how severely important love is in the New Covenant, that we need to focus ourselves on love. Paul says that you can have all faith to move all the mountains, but if you do not have love, you are nothing. Nothing. And he says that in 1 Corinthians 13. He says that a plethora of times throughout the epistles. Jesus says it. He says, what's the, the first and greatest commandment? To love thy Lord with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might, and thy, thy neighbor as thyself. There's many other places that, that we could turn to to see this truth that we need to focus on love. What's our motive? It needs to be love. When we go home and we open up the scriptures or, or we pray, what, what are we doing it from? We need to do it from a heart of love. And that is what Paul says. First and foremost, you need to understand the importance of love as being a born-again Christian, a child of God, and understand the importance of love. It has to be there. Secondly, it has to be genuine. It says, let love not be without dissimulation. That means false motions. Love needs to be sincere. So Lord, help me. Because what is our instinct? Our instinct is to love ourselves first. Isn't it? Our instinct is to look out for self. Our instincts are to look for things that we do love in our, in our group. Our instinct is not to love those who hate you and persecute you and say all things uh, evil against you, and bear false witness. So we pray. Now, moving on, the third birthmark is truth. We love truth. 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 1 through 6. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. That means test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, 
Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. One of the things that Jesus had told the Pharisees, he says that you will not come to me because you are not my sheep. You do not understand what I'm saying because the world hears their own. Only God, only those of God, hear God. That's what he's saying. That's the truth. We love the truth. As God's people, we know that we're sanctified by truth. Jesus says, separate them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And you know, even more now than ever, you see out on the media, you see people, you see churches or religions, or they talk about God, but they never say anything about Jesus. They talk, these, these ecumenical prayers, uh, we went to the one place, and I think we, were, we went to watch the hoppers at some place, and it was a mixed crowd of just religious people that were in there, and one guy got up to pray, and he read, and when I say ecumenical, I mean that this, this prayer that he prayed, or the beliefs that they believe, they don't want to offend anybody. They, want, they don't want to offend this religion that doesn't believe in Jesus or the resurrection. They don't want to uh, offend this religion that doesn't believe in grace and sovereign grace and, and all that. And they don't want to offend this or that or the baptizers. Or, so what do they do? <laughs> they play it safe with everything they say. So he gets up with this book, and he's reading this prayer, never mentions Jesus Christ, never mentions sin, never mentions repentance, never mentions faith. He's just, I, I don't even know how he had enough words to say. And you know what the saddest part about this was not that this man was standing up and just giving this washed out, uh, very generic prayer, is I saw the concentration on people's faces as if this man was actually talking to God. Because he wasn't. This man was not talking to God. And what made me sad was looking around and he had everybody, most everybody, convinced that he was. You can't talk to God without Jesus Christ. Because we pray in his name. Jesus is our mediator, not a man. Jesus is the go-between. Jesus is our advocate. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's him. He's my advocate. He's the one who has, has one hand on God and one hand on me. He's the daysman, the go-between. If, if I don't pray in his name, it gets no higher than the ceiling. One time, uh, it was a family member's wedding, and this was a wedding that had some uh, interesting stuff in it. And um, the mother, or you know, it was kind of a, her stepmother, came up to me and she goes, well, so-and-so wants you to pray. But if you pray, you better not get all religious. This is what she told me. 
if you pray, you better not get all religious on me and speak in Jesus' name because what they were about to do was have some kind of casino thing at this wedding. And you know what? I said, instead of walking away from that situation, and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll pray the way that my relative wanted me to pray. And I got up and I prayed and it was a 15-minute prayer. I mean, I preached the gospel in Jesus' name and repent of your sins today and thou shalt be saved. I'm not standing in judgment of you. God is going to judge you. Wrath is coming down on you. It's going to happen as if it's already happened. You're not promised tomorrow. Walk by a graveyard. Nobody gets out. You're not promised. I'm not in judgment of you. I'm telling you there's a Savior God has sent. And He's provided the blood of His Son to die for you that all names, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess from the beginning of time to the... And there will be no end of time till ever that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father, the ultimate... Almighty of all the universe and galaxy is nothing but a backdrop of God's power that He has in Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, my substitute, whom He loved. He loves me. And let me tell you something. Thou, thou will not perish. You will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. For God has sent His Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish. Oh, but have everlasting life. It's not the thing that I'm doing. It's all that He's done. Would you receive that? Would you see Him? That life's not an accident. It's not a random thing in the cosmos. Do you actually believe that? When you wake up, do you think you're an accident? That you just happen to be born in this century, in this time, in this state, in this city, to your parents, to here, to there? It's not, none of this is an accident. It's all of God. And God has done a mighty work from everlasting to everlasting that He has sent His Son. God in flesh, Himself, has come down and He has bore my sins upon Him that I should live and be free. That's the record of God. Do you have that record in you? Do you feel that in you? We have the birthmark of obedience, the birthmark of love, the birthmark of truth. We have the birthmark of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead, of the Trinity. He's just like a person that you would meet. He's like the person of Jesus Christ. And he, that is how He quickens and saves us. He makes us alive. He opens our eyes and our ears and we can see and we can um, hear and understand the things of God. Then we have the birthmark of the witness within. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, that is how we know. That's John's whole point was, these things have I written that you may know that you are the children of God. These birthmarks, are they in your life? Do you, do you keep the word of God with you? When you leave these doors, you don't leave him here. He's with you. And do you keep it? And then you pray and then you ask the Lord to forgive you when you fail. 
Do you, do you have the birthmark of obedience, of an obedient heart? You want to please God. You want to obey God. And when you fail, it doesn't feel good. What about love? If, do you have love for the brethren? Well, what about truth? Do you love his truth? What about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is what God sends in regeneration, quickens your heart. That's how you're born again, through the Holy Spirit. He quickens you. The Holy Spirit makes his abode. And that's what Jesus said. If you love me, then my Father loves you. And that they're both going to make their abode with you. I didn't get to finish all of uh, the, the points, but it says that, that he dwells with us. And that dwell is that he resides. He shall make his abode with us. Our home. Our home. Does God make his home within you? And do you make yours within him? Your home. Where you live. Every day. And then he gives us the witness within. Oh, if you've not trusted in the Lord as your Savior, the day is the day. We're not promised tomorrow. And the scripture says that Jesus, he died, he was buried, that he rose again according to the scriptures. Paul says this is the gospel which we preach. Meaning this is the good news which we herald. You know, if somebody cured cancer and I came up here and I said, hey, they cured cancer. That's me heralding good news. But even more, than that, I'm heralding the good news that God has a provision to save your soul right today. But we see the wages of sin is death. Right now is the time. Right now is the day that you come before Him. You ask Him to forgive you of your sins. You believe upon Him who died upon the cross, buried, rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You trust in Him. You ask Him to save you. Would you ask him to save you today? We're going to have a word of prayer and an invitation. We do not have long invitations. We believe that the Lord's staring in your heart. I don't have to beg you to do anything, that you'll come. But let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. We thank you for your love and your majesty of your word. Father, thank you for securing us in your arms, giving us hope in our hearts that will never vanish, never fade away. Father, all sufficiency is in your Son and the work from eternity to eternity. How we will praise the Lamb of God who gave his life for me. Father, may you just help people to see their state before you, their need, their eternal need of their soul before you. And Father, how you've given this gift. Father, we know that salvation is not something we acquire, but it's given by you. And we love you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty work which you're going to do. Well, now that we wait upon you and we trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen.